0: to go to there. Snipe! I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't
1: like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
2: Are we having fun yet?
1: <laughs> yes, yes, 30 hellers agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's a cunning plan, actually would you believe
0: it man you beautiful
1: tropical fish don't mention the war clear eyes to the
0: hearts hello and welcome to the televerse sound on sites tv podcast this is kate calls again i'm joined once again by my co-host mr simon howell simon welcome back you survived the woods
3: did i did i survive or is a part of me still there with the <laughs> bears and the horse flies? You may never know
0: yeah, is this is this a uh, what happens in planting stays at planting? I mean, like I don't know what the correct terminology would be
3: uh, you could you, can, you know, planting is fine. Uh, honestly, nothing that crazy happened to me <laughs> some 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 crazy things happen, but not really to me i I was mostly like everyone's surrogate dad, okay, as you would expect cause you know they're you're talking about a bunch of nineteen twenty year olds, you know, some of whom have never. <laughs> Really, like, spent a lot of time living anywhere except with their parents. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a thing. It was definitely a thing. Fair enough. I lost like 15 pounds in a month. That kind of a thing.
0: Planting trees all day will do that. I I understand. That sounds about right. Um, any, uh, would you advise other people considering planting? Which did you have a positive experience?
3: Uh, tree planting. I mean, doing it for the first time at 27, like I did, is dumb I, it's not advisable at all um I, I enjoyed it but i wouldn't recommend it um if you're a younger person who has nothing to do in the summer and uh, especially if you live in canada and you want to make some money and get fitter and um cry in front of strangers then it, you may want to consider it
0: and the big question are you going to do it next summer
3: I probably won't be able to actually for reasons that I yeah, that are too boring to get into right now. But I think I'm going to have something else to do next summer.
0: Okay. Well, that that I, I'm sure it'll be a uh, colorful experience for you to draw upon, a little life experience that uh, I'm sure will come up in the most random situations on the podcast. Yeah,
3: it's. It's, it's definitely uh, it, it's got anecdotal value it's CV poison apparently but it's, <laughs> other than that it has other value
0: good times uh, well this week on the podcast uh, the DVD shelf is back we'll be talking with Alistair Wilkins from the AV Club and debating Doctor Who about that Mitchell and Webb look which was uh, a lot of fun it's a British sketch show um, so that'll be coming at the end of the podcast we talked with you guys this week on Twitter as well talked with Kevin I um, talked with uh, Kevin Isandra and Sterling about the amazing squeaker on head which of course we talked about last week in the podcast and Kevin recommends Project Geeker which is a cartoon or an animated series by uh, from Doug Tenepal I probably said that wrong who also created Earthworm Jim I remember watching Earthworm Jim but Project Geeker does not sound familiar to me are you familiar with either of these
3: uh, I mean I I definitely watched a bit of Earthworm Jim as a kid whether it holds up at all or not I have no idea it definitely seemed like one of those grotesque ideas you could only get away with in the early to mid nineties. But no, the other one I've definitely never heard of in my life.
0: Okay, I'm very intrigued now. I'm gonna have to look into that. Uh, Carl, Carl made us a birthday cake picture. I mean, he
3: did picture, yeah. You no, know, it's almost as good as a cake. That was that was pretty boss.
0: That was pretty sweet. So thank you very much, uh, Carl. Carl wants to know if we have watched Happy Valley. He says it's rectify levels of good.
3: I've watched the pilot. I watched the pilot. A while ago, and I think because of when it when I saw it, I just wasn't I wasn't ready for another grim police pr- police procedural, particularly a British one, particularly given some of the subject matter. And so I, I was able to acknowledge that it was good, especially you know the, the the lead performance is really interesting, and the character design as well. But yeah, I was not in a good place to be watching it. May I, I may give it another crack before the years out because I, I have heard you no. Know, across-the-board solid things about it.
0: Yeah, and that's one that I... It's on the list to try to finish by the end of the year by the time I get to my uh, top, you know, t- top end-of-the-year top top lists and everything. Um, so I haven't had a chance yet, but hopefully that's one. I, I still haven't finished Orange is the New Black Season 2 is another one that's on there for, for what? Netflix. Have you?
3: I've finished Orange is the New Black Season 2.
0: Do we want to start the list of shows that I've seen that you haven't seen over the course of the summer? Obviously, I have not planted a crap ton of trees. Uh, or lost fifteen pounds in a month, but uh but but you know, if we're gonna lay down shows, I mean
3: I'm I'm actually not that behind. I mean, you've seen all the pilots, which is impressive and probably sad, but uh I I'm doing an okay job of catching up. We'll get into this later.
0: <laughs> well, uh let's see, Brian says uh he just finished season three of Spartacus. So good. Now what I want to know, Brian, is do you mean the, the final series of the show, like you just watched the series finale, in which case, uh, yeah, and uh, I would have used more exclamation points, personally, but yes. Or do you mean that you finished the third season that aired, counting the prequel season as one of those? So does that mean you still have a whole other season to go, in which case you've got the best season to go? I'm curious.
3: Yeah, you really do. Although, you know, the end of season two proper is also pretty damn amazing so it Either is possible.
0: Either. It's very possible. It's hard to tell with Spartacus. A lot of Spartacus is so good. Glad that you're enjoying it, Brian. Definitely. Whether you finished or you still have a whole another season to go. Glad you're enjoying it. Talked The Leftovers with Carl and Yvonne. Talked Buffy with Rowan and Caroline. And talked Doctor Who with Matt, Zach, Dan, Amanda, and Jason. Uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty more of all of those coming in the next few weeks. Um, But for now, any final thoughts here? How do you feel transitioning? I mean, it's... We're back to the podcast.
3: Yeah. You know, you just mentioned The Leftovers, and if there's any show that I regret not getting to talk about because I was away, it's The Leftovers, because <laughs> I actually, I, I kind of love The Leftovers, and yet there at, at least, there's there's at least two or three things about it that are actively insulting, so I, I think reviewing it week to week would have been really fun and really funny. But uh, I guess we'll have occasion to talk about it at some point in in year end discussions.
0: Yeah, it'll definitely come up but for now, let's, uh, let's take a break and we're, this week we're going to do comedies, then we're going to do a little bit of pilot talk. When we did our fall preview, I had seen very few of the pilots at that point. I've now seen um, pretty much everything, except CBS. CBS doesn't give me screeners, but I've seen the other ones. So we'll talk about the pilots that are coming up in the next week. Um, so that you guys have a sense of what's coming back between now and when the next podcast is going to come out. Um, and then we'll, we'll move on to the genre and the drama before going to the DVD shelf. So that's, what's coming this week on the podcast. Uh, let's take a break and come back with our week in comedy. Everyone knows marijuana is dangerous and medical pot is
2: really strong. That's why it's so hard. It's a long shot but I gotta try He hands me a list of all the ailments I can have to qualify Can't believe what I am reading This is just what I've been needing A government supply to get legally high Weed card, it's what I need
0: Hardly ever okay, always But it's not an addiction Cause my doctor gave me a prescription this week in comedy, I'm going to preview the New Girl and Mindy premieres, and I'll talk a little bit about The League, uh, Teflondre and Garfunkel and Oates, third member. Then we'll talk, uh, both talk Married, Halloween, and You're the Worst, Constant Horror, and Bone-Deep Dissatisfaction. So first, New Girl and Mindy Project are coming back this week, or tonight, by the time you guys are hearing this. They might have already come back by the time you're hearing this. I've seen the first two episodes of this season of New Girl. I've seen the premiere of Mindy. Um, these I probably would not have watched if there weren't screeners and there are. And so I did because I feel like it's my responsibility. If they're going to make stuff available, I'm going to watch it and give it a shot. And I'm glad that I did. The first two episodes of, of new girl work pretty well. They do a good job of getting back to the dynamic um, before Nick and Jess were together without ignoring that element of their relationship and how it affects the rest of the group. These are, um, they're fun, and they do. You know, the the group dynamic is certainly just—it's so much better when they don't think that Nick and Jess arguing is funny, cause it's not. Uh, so there's there's none of that, which is certainly a move in the right right direction for me. And uh, yeah, Jessica Beale and Reed Scott are in the premiere. Jessica Beale gets more to do. Reed Scott gets almost nothing to do. He's very much wasted, which is disappointing. He, they cast him as handsome guy, basically, um, when he's shown he can do a lot more on beep And um, I would have liked to have seen more of him. But uh, I, in general, it's a, it's a fun premiere, and uh, I look forward to probably following along with New Girl again, even though I was so ready to break up with it after the end of last season. Mindy Project uh, has Mindy and Danny together. Uh it's I think the the premiere is called We're a Couple Now Haters or something like that. Um so so the stuff with Mindy and Danny works pretty well. It's overly heightened to the point that it's ridiculous. I can't believe that they would have Mindy saying what she is saying about him um at the office. It's a whole privacy versus um Mindy's personality kind of conversation there. Uh, some of it works pretty well. It's certain, the two have chemistry like gangbusters so that certainly is a good thing and it looks like they're gonna be in for the long haul with that couple at least for now and that's a good thing as well so i continue to have frustrations with the mindy project but this premiere for the most part worked even if i don't think it's gonna win in over any new viewers so simon i don't think you're gonna suddenly like the mindy project from this episode (laughs)
3: Yeah, it's seeming a little bit late for that.
0: Yeah, um, let's move on to the league. Uh, Teflondre and I am so disappointed that Teflondre is over. It is really, I mean, what it was such a fun concept and so well executed on the show. Uh, I'm, I'm bummed that we're back to to normal, Andre, by the end of this. But, uh, but this episode was, you know, it had some nice laughs. I enjoyed it and um i I guess i'll just wait to say more again the league is such a consistent show it it knows what it its voice is so completely that it can be difficult to have new things to say every week without just saying this was funny or that was funny um so this week i don't have anything to say besides i'm gonna miss teflondre and uh bringing in rob hubel to be to replace adam brody uh, is fun, so we'll see. You know what happens with that, but um, but yeah, enjoy this episode. Left quite a bit. Garfunkel notes third member. This is their <laughs> itchy and scratchy and poochy episode, or uh, pinky and the brain and larry. Uh, and so that you know, having jesse jeff be <laughs> the third member was pretty fun. Um, but in general, this I would say was not one of the more memorable episodes. The songs were good. Uh I liked the dream, the random like they bring in the Apple song, the Garfunkel oh Garfunkel notes Apple song as part of Kate's like daydream. That works pretty well. Um but on the whole fun, just not as memorable as some of their other entries. Let's move on to stuff that we can both talk about. So, uh t- tell me a little bit about Married. How much what what episodes of Married have you seen?
3: I believe I've seen the last 3 or 4 episodes. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I actually, I would like to talk about Married and You're the Worst as a unit, which I'm sure is something you've already done, <laughs> because it's sort of impossible not to, because they're both, they're both a little bit out there, and they're both flawed in similar ways, but they're both also, I think, pretty compelling. Of the two, I think I prefer You're the Worst, if only because it's consistently funnier, uh, but they're uh, both kind of strangely fascinating shows. Uh, Married, I'm... I think what I appreciate about it, especially this week, is its willingness to not go for the laugh all the time. Uh, it really it exploits the freedom of being on FX uh, more than some of their other recent comedies have done, and that's that that gives them breathing room to really develop the the Nat Faxon and Judy Greer characters. Uh, both shows have this problem, as we're going to get into in a bit, and as I'm sure you've already talked about, where they're both. Two shows also, so it's sort of like reviewing four shows. Um, maybe it, it. I haven't seen either pilot, so it's it's difficult to know how characters specifically relate to each other if you don't have it explained to you. And that's, I think that's a problem in and of itself because it just makes it seem like you know the Brett Gel- the Brett Gelman and John Hodgman characters for like those are both incredibly funny actors, and yet it just I I while I'm amused by watching them, I'm not always sure why I'm watching them. Uh, anyway, married, uh, considering how much I like the actors and how funny everyone in it is, I was hoping slash expecting to find it a little funnier, but I was never bored by it. And I'm certainly, I'm intrigued by the darkness.
0: <laughs> that's funny because that's almost exactly what I said about the pilot, Of uh, that I I liked the show. So high of mine once again, that, that I, I liked it, but I wanted it to be a different show because I wanted to laugh more because all these people are so funny, um, but that it's not what the show is interested in being or doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there have definitely been funnier and more and less funny episodes. And you, the less funny episodes aren't always the most dramatic, but just episodes where that, that's not their priority. They're going for other things instead and uh, more introspective, maybe, episodes. And what I found really interesting over the course of the season is that after the first few episodes, it really it steered away from like the struggling marriage element. And they, the couple, uh, Nat Fax and Judy Greer, seemed much more like you, you understood why they were married and that they had built a life, built a life together and that they loved each other. Even with all these other frustrations going on around them, they seemed much more uh, in sync. And then in these last few episodes that has become more strained again, which is much more in keeping with how things are in the pilot. Like there are parts in the last, in in this episode, or maybe it was the episode last week, where it's just, you're watching going, why are you, why is there conflict now? There wasn't conflict last week. It's not like Mm -hmm. something happened. And if the show is trying, if that's intentional, if the show is trying to explore the waxing and waning of a couple's relationship over times with various stressors, then that's very interesting. But I don't get a sense that that is intentional. It feels more like, like to me, it feels like the episodes are aired out of order production order and they like realized they wanted to change things or they got network notes early on that they needed to change things and then they got more you know longer leash and so they changed them back it's it's i don't know it didn't feel as organic as maybe i would have liked
3: Mm -hmm. it definitely still feels like a show that's finding its legs and that's fine it's especially like they're sort of they're not necessarily dealing with uncharted territory but they're dealing with what they know is extremely... There is no more familiar subject matter This is than married people. It's called Married. To, that they've managed to do anything interesting with that is kind of a miracle. So, I, you know, I'll happily give them a, long, a as long a leash as possible to figure that out. As for You're the Worst, what I find interesting about You're the Worst is here's a show that features no one I've seen before, uh, except for maybe in the occasional bit part, and... First of all, it's been a delight to meet these actors, performers for the first time because they're all hilarious, and yeah, I've heard some people compare it to to happy endings. Um, sort of the way that it's the way that it's evolved. Uh, people have compared that to what sort of what happened with happy endings. I kind of get what they mean, sort of some of the time, but I think uh, what's fascinating to me about this show is that they've found a way to merge sort of the um, misanthropic humor of something like It's Always Sunny with sort of a more traditional sitcom that's earnestly interested in its characters' relationships, and it doesn't always work. And once again, we have supporting characters that don't always tie in very well with the rest of the show, in particular, of course, their PTSD-afflicted roommate. A lot of that stuff just doesn't work for me.
0: Oh, all of that stuff works for me all of it. Oh, I love really? I all love Edgar, yeah. I think Edgar's the yeah. best part of the show. Really? I think he grounds it. Otherwise, it's only stuff you've seen before.
3: Mm. I'll have to think about that. I do I think his moment in this ep- his breaking point moment in this episode is great. Uh but a lot of the other stuff didn't really work for me. That being said, um I think that the the choice to finally have Flashbacks explaining stuff in the penultimate episode was actually really clever, and I, I assume there weren't any flashbacks before that ever. Nope. Yeah. See, so Kate's shaking her head at me. Uh, that was great, and I just I I am charmed by the show as much as much like Married. I think it still has some kinks to work out, but I'm very. They could kind of go a variety of different directions with it, which is not usually the sort of thing you can say about a, a show with a scenario like this.
0: Well, and I I really appreciate the way that they took the rest of the season and built up a very traditional expected sort of arc doing it, you know, with its own tone and with its own voice and with characters, you know, the way that they've explored Lindsay and really fleshed her out. First they did that with Edgar, then they included Lindsay in that um, that's been been very you know very well done however that central arc of oh these wacky kids will they ever get together kind of a thing um Mm -hmm. that that's that's all something we've seen before they're terrible um but they don't make it they don't like all of a sudden now they're together and so now all of a sudden they're good people which is a little different than what what we usually see but then to take that and have it take such a real turn in last week's episode the end of last week's episode uh where the couple couple breaks up they break up for good reason with with element based on things that make sense to what we know about the characters and then this episode uh so, you know i think i would tra- tra- trace it right back to what you said with edgars edgar's breaking point of no you were better when you were with this other person and i'm not going through this roller coaster again this has been this is bullshit. You got to fix this. It's great.
3: Yeah, that 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 is definitely a good moment and I like that he's that he he makes clear you know you were a little better. You weren't good, but you were <laughs> a little bit better. Um yeah, there were a lot of great moments like the in particular the 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 scene with the ex, um another character that only kind of works for me um was was great and just felt very natural and it, it's nice when you can make a scene that's both believable for the characters and funny and unexpected that's always a nice mix and once again manages to find little moments of pathos that could feel corny or unearned that it manages to do just right so yeah of the two i think it's probably the more unequivocal winner but i am very glad that fx took a chance on both series because they complement each other so well
0: and they haven't announced pickups for either of them for next season. So I know a lot of people seem to have really fallen like you said the word charmed and I think that's how a lot of people feel about You're the Worst. Um I I've really enjoyed it from the first few episodes, but I'm glad that people there are more people on the you know on team You're the Worst now. Uh but there's a lot of people who are going to just be pissed if, if it doesn't get picked up for a second season because i don't know what they get, what more they can ask for a comedy in its first season other than obviously it'd be great if it had more viewers but i think yeah. it's done a really good job in this first season
3: yeah and there's no way it's expensive and uh, either either show really and it's not as though fx has launched like a lot of great new comedies recently
0: yeah. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll certainly talk about with both these guys a little bit more next week with their season finales. But um, but yeah, very glad. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying enjoying both of these. So what wins your week in comedy this week?
3: I will give it to you the worst.
0: And I will also give it to you the worst. Uh, we didn't really talk about the specifics of these episodes. Um you know i liked what we got with the halloween party i like or with the trick or treating i liked what we got with um the flashbacks and seeing you know even just seeing the the rappers the first session and then the current like the more most recent session watching how much they've grown uh off screen you know stuff like that i really enjoyed and like you said having it be the penultimate episode is is really Very strong. And and I should
3: add another thing that episode did really well that a lot of other shows got wrong is, yes, we get to learn sort of why the characters are like the way they're like, but it doesn't excuse their behavior at all. Mm -hmm. That's an important distinction.
0: Definitely. Uh, Well, we'll talk more about these guys next week. um, But for now, let's take a break and come back with a little pilot talk.
1: My name is Henry Morgan. I work for the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Here it is, grab the UV light. I've seen more than my fair share of death. Sometimes he doesn't even need to open them up to tell how they died. It's kinda awesome. And kinda creepy. Hmm. Excuse me. My life is just like yours.
2: Perhaps you could grab a drink?
1: I would love to, except for one small difference. It never ends. Every time I die, I always return in water and I'm always naked Lends itself to some slightly awkward situations. It's a long story.
0: Next up, we're going to talk a little bit about this week's uh, pilots and premieres. Um, on Wednesday, we're going to have Red Band Society on Fox and Mysteries of Laura on NBC. On this coming Sunday, we'll have Madam Secretary and the Good Wife starting up on CBS. This coming Monday, we'll start what is basically the first week of the fall season with just these couple of shows starting early. But that's going to kick off on Monday with Gotham on Fox, Scorpion on CBS, Forever on ABC, and then returning shows like Sleepy Hollow on Fox and Blacklist on NBC. And then just for good measure, because of when this comes out, if you're if you're waiting for them, NCIS... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Person of Interest, Chicago Fire, Awkward, and Faking It are all coming back next week, Tuesday, and the NCIS New Orleans uh, spinoff is starting up that next week, Tuesday. There's a lot of shows to talk about here. Um, what strikes out stands out to you? I've already talked about Red Band Society Mystery of, of Laura on the show. Um,
3: so wait, but can you just explain to me, is Mysteries of Laura the Twin Peaks sequel we've been waiting for?
0: No, Mysteries of Laura is Cop Mom Mom Cop as was dubbed uh, by the fabulous Linda Holmes of NPR. Uh, so, yes, she's a cop and she's also a mom. But she's al- she's a mom who's also a cop. How could she be both? Uh, that's not a Twin Peaks sequel. That is not I'm a Twin Peaks sequel. But it, it does, like I said before, it does have a pretty fun tone if it can steer into that and not get pointlessly melodramatic at the end of each episode like it does in the pilot. That could be fun. Um, let's see what else. I haven't seen *Madam Secretary*, can't comment on that, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking that one out. Same thing with uh, *Good Wife*, *Premier*, *Gotham* already talked about last time, um, so nothing new to say there. I hope *Forever*, I have now seen the pilot of that. That's the one about the me who is immortal. Um, in in uh, he lives in New York, and let me see. There's a bunch in here that ABC seems to feel are spoilers, so I won't comment on a lot of the plot what
3: it's not it's not the premise it's a spoiler
0: no it's yeah character, like relationship character relationships and stuff um i will say that this is they're very much going for a Sherlock holmes feel with this where his superpower is having been alive for a long time and so just being really smart knowing a lot of stuff noticing everything he does all of this um like noticing that that you're wearing this kind of thing, and so therefore that means this, and and this time of the day that would must mean like that kind of a thing.
3: So basically, living for a long time has turned him into a walking Cosmo quiz.
0: Um, you see, sure, I suppose. Um, it's I again, I'm gonna go more with the Sherlock Holmes thing, especially because they're going for the affable British accent when that's why you cast young know, uh Griffin, who's Griffin who's great at that. um he's very charming, that's you know that seems to, again very much be what they're going for, and he doesn't seem to have a lot of angsty baggage, which is a nice change from some of these immortal shows I mean there's stuff there, but he doesn't walk around brooding all the time about the fact that he's immortal which I was happy to, to see. I think people could be charmed by this if you're looking for a new show, if you're looking for a procedural and you like Judd Hirsch, you know, check it out. Why not? You know, that's kind of where I'm at with uh, with Forever. Sleepy Hall coming back. Very excited for that. Don't care about Blacklist. I mean, what? which of these are you actually interested in?
3: Um... Did you watch the Awkward premiere? Is, is 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 Awkward still a thing you care about?
0: No, it's not a thing I still care about. This is a mid-season premiere it's coming back. I'm actually curious about Faking It. I've heard good things about that one, but I haven't checked it out yet. That's on MTV. Um no, I I just Awkward lost me when it went from the show that I really very much identified with to a far more typical high school drama or soap opera kind of thing. And and that happened right around the time that the creator and showrunner left and or was replaced. So uh, I don't really feel bad about not following that one at this point.
3: Fair enough. And
0: uh, what exactly is Scorpion? Scorpion is a show on CBS. It is about a group of geniuses, the computer geniuses who... um. Who, who solve crimes together so robert patrick uh go works f- like freelances sort of for the government is what i understand and he but he, he he can help them but he needs to bring in his own people and so then he mm. puts together a team of geniuses who all have a different like focus or central thing that they do Um, and then apparently they hang out in a diner so that they can interact with kat mcphee who plays the waitress there who has an autistic son who they who who may also be a genius. So Oh
3: god, magical child.
0: Magical magical autistic child. Diner <sighs> waitress who can be the normie who hangs out with all these quirky genius characters.
3: Can I just say j- just once, just once in a in a movie or TV show, I want a reclusive genius who we meet his whole team and he says, "I want to bring these guys in and the government's like, "No." That's not part of our hiring policy. We have people for you, and they're, they're very real. good. <laughs> they're very good. I feel like McGruber kind of did that, uh, <laughs> but I just feel like that should happen more often.
0: Yeah, that that could be fun. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have high hopes for Scorpion. Um, I can't recommend anybody watches it. I know I wouldn't want to watch it based on its premise. I wouldn't want to watch forever based on its premise. But then I, you know, had access to the screener, watched it, and found it to be surprisingly charming. So. Who knows maybe maybe scorpion will be surprisingly charming as well
3: there you go and you've also seen gotham which i understand is the thing people are excited about
0: yes i understand it's the thing you're not excited about
3: uh, honestly i love ben mckenzie i love donald Logue. there's probably other good people in it because if they've got them there's probably others but i cannot think of a less interesting concept of hey do you like batman What about when he was a kid? And I understand he's just a supporting character, et cetera, et cetera. But still, like, are we just going to keep meeting characters and being like, hey, later, he's going to be the penguin. And hey, later, she's going to be Catwoman. And hey, later, et cetera, et cetera. Like, oh, that just sounds so tedious.
0: You're going to hate the pilot so much.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been new stuff to like there certainly. Um, I look forward to your thoughts actually, so I I hope you watch it because I do look forward to those. But that's a big part of the pilot. Uh, yeah, I like it in spite of that stuff. Rather than at Comic Con, especially seem people seem to like it because of that, and so
3: of course they did. We'll
0: see. Comic-Con. Well, it's Comic Con, but we'll see where which direction they go with it. I really hope they go for the in spite of, and not the because of but that's something we're only you know the show's going to have to find its feet. So like that's one where like by episode 7 hopefully we know which way they're going. But but I'm just so confused
3: like these are people that Batman fights and Batman's like two or whatever He's 7 or 12. Like why why are we meeting them if we just we know they can't be defeated because we know that Batman has to fight them later. We know there's not going to be any Batman.
0: So what's the fucking point? I don't disagree. <laughs> that's why I so, said. Well, wh- here, why, here, why isn't here.
3: everyone asking this question?
0: I that I don't know because that's what's obviously the central fault here. But what they do do is that they uh, cre- create Fish Money, who is the Jada Pinkett Smith character as the main, what appears to be the main antagonist for uh, f- for Gordon and Bullock, and she's an original character, so who anything could happen with her and that'll remain to be seen but the jada pinkett uh, smith is is charismatic and she's fun in the role and so there's a lot that could happen with that character and so that's mm-hmm. what that's what i'm assuming we're gonna really focus on
3: right um but then there's that other stuff
0: <laughs> yeah that's why I said I uh... I look forward to your thoughts about the pilot. uh. But yeah, any 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 final thoughts on this batch of shows? I assume you're very excited about The Good Wife coming back.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm going to be reviewing The Good Wife, which I've never done before. And I'm excited for a couple of different reasons. First of all, because last season was Zomga amazing. And also because I'm expecting this season to also be amazing. Hopefully similarly amazing. Although if, even if it's only three quarters as good, I'll be happy. And also because... The Good Wife is basically about everything, so it'll give me a chance to rant about whatever the hell they're talking about this week. (laughs) Possibly in totally unrelated tangents, which is something I've always wanted to do while reviewing a TV show. It's going to be just like the A.V. Club. I mean, wait, never mind. I didn't say that.
0: (laughs) Well, I look forward to reading your reviews uh, starting this Sunday. Uh, I think that 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 wraps it up for for this week in pilots. We'll have some more, you know, chat about pilots next week with, the, you know, the fall season kicking off for real next week. But uh, for now, shall we take a break? Come back with the genre and dramas. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll be right back after this. <laughs>
2: His name was Yuba. He was homely. He was dumb, and so was Yuba. Just a big ambitious bum.
1: He wouldn't do her, so much as chew a piece of gum. So this is news to me. I understand her. He's an overnight success. He's in demand her. And you never could have guessed.
2: Well, he found a big bass tuba.
1: Then he bummed his way to Cuba. And the rest. And the rest is history. Down in Havana there's a funny-looking booba. He plays the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba Oh, any saple sell an apple, but this chap would rather grapple With his oompa, oompa, oompa They prefer it to a boopa, dupa dupa. They love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba ah.
0: This week in genre and drama, I'm going to talk a little Z Nation, Puppies and Kittens, which is their pilot. Uh, Then we're both going to talk a little Doctor Who, Listen, and Outlander, the garrison commander. Then we'll move over to the dramas, and I'll talk a little The Honorable Woman, The Hollow Wall, which is the penultimate episode. Before we both dive in with The Nick, They Capture the Heat, uh, Borbok Empire, The Good Listener, and then Masters of Sex, Below the Belts. So first, Z Nation, Puppies and Kittens, and this pilot... I, this pilot is very interesting to me because its tone is all over the place. And so the first part of the pilot seems like it's going for a fun and more, it feels very much like a response to The Walking Dead, but with some elements of, uh, of more serious, Touches some some more pathos in there, just a little bit, not a lot, but something that feels you know, there's a lot of gravitas from the Harold Paranau character. And then, and if you don't want any spoilers, hopefully by now you're not listening anymore, then they kill Harold Paranau and have him get eaten by a zombie baby. So, uh it goes it just takes the right turn for comedy, but the what the trouble is they they kill their best actor in <laughs> in the pilot. Which I get that, but I mean it's not like they kill like the most famous person in the world, Harold Perrineau, whose work I have enjoyed for quite a long time. Is uh you know very a very reliable, uh character actor on television. Um, certainly people are very excited about him being in Constantine this fall. And I was watching this pilot, going, "How is he? How did he do this one in Constantine?" And I was like, "Oh, that's how." But as soon as he's gone, everybody else's level just goes down, and all of this, the like the more dramatic elements that had that were so successful in the first part of the uh, episode just completely go away. And then they're going for what just becomes straight-up B-movie kind of comedy. And the just the, the performances are just, they just immediately suffer as soon as Paranau is dead. I mean, I love that they did a zombie baby. Come on, right? We've been waiting for, haven't we been waiting for a zombie baby on one of these shows, Simon?
3: I guess, I mean, I've probably seen more zombie stuff than you, so I've had my share of zombie babies, but, you know, you can, there's always room for more zombie babies.
0: I mean, there's trying to kill a zombie baby, but it's just, it's hard to aim at something that short. It just, it works.
3: Is it cute or hideous?
0: Uh, It, it starts as cute, and then it dies and becomes a zombie baby, and then it's gross.
3: Oh, fair enough.
0: This is not a Who Framed Roger Rabbit style baby is also yeah, a fair enough.
3: Yeah, well, I I think it's important to note that this comes to us from the asylum. I haven't seen this pilot, but I think uh, based on their track record, going to them for responsible use of actors or consistently good acting or writing or production values or integrity of storytelling in general, probably not a good move.
0: Well, this was just like okay, there, there's elements of the cast here that are weaker, but but with Harold Paranau and DJ Qualls there's a lot that they can do and you can, okay i i'm willing to go with this one and then they kill Harold Paranau and DJ Qualls is abs- is abandoned and isolated by himself so i i'm guessing that's to accommodate his schedule because he's got you know other projects that he's doing as well um but yeah that doesn't help the rest of the cast, so I'm just kind of at a loss with this one. I'd be surprised if I make time to watch. Like the first part of this episode of this pilot, I was going, I'm gonna have to carve out time on Friday to watch this. This could be fun. Uh, by the second half of the episode, I doubt that that will happen. So those are my Yikes. thoughts on Z Nation. Um, I'm sure there are people who will very much, like, you know, they, they, how did you find us? Well, we talked to, were, we ran across this prison with a, co- a former cop and a bunch of other people, uh, and they told us where you were. So, like, they have, like, if they keep with, like, the Walking Dead shoutouts, that could be kind of fun. Nice little running commentary on it. Uh, I read this, I read a review, we we have reviews of it going up at not on the Site. Um, but one of the reviews I read had this great line about how it's nice for once that in a zombie show the question of who are the real monsters is they're fucking zombies. The zombies are the real monsters. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's funny.
0: I mean that's you know that that's the kind of show that this is. So you know, I, I'm there's certainly a place for it. And I'm sure there are some horror fans who are very happy to have it around. But for me, I don't know. Things are about to get crazy. This one's going to fall through the cracks, I would imagine. Um, But let's move on to one we've both seen, and that's Doctor Who Listen. This one got a huge amount of praise. Everybody was very excited about this one. I have my review up at Sound On Sight, and I liked it quite a bit, too. I just had problems with how familiar a lot of it was. But I can't argue with that scoring. I can't argue with the direction and the cinematography and Peter Capaldi. Uh, this was very effective for me, even as I was recognizing some of its faults. This is our first chance to talk about Doctor Who since Capaldi came back. What do you think of this new Doctor? What do you think of of Capaldi's Doctor?
3: Um. Okay. Well, first of all, I love Peter Capaldi in general. I think he's a brilliant actor, so funny on the thick of it, and great in some other things as well. Um. I mean, here's the thing. I jumped right to this episode. I didn't see the previous few. So I'm not totally sure what they're going for with this doctor. He seems to have memory gaps. I don't know what that's about. He seems to he seems to be, in general, a little bit more of a mental case than some previous doctors. I don't know what that's about either. I don't know if they've explained that or if they're just doing something with that later. I don't know. Uh, I didn't necessarily find that totally compelling. But, you know, it's Capaldi, so he can sell it. That's fine. Uh, they seem to be going for more of an aloof relationship between him and Clara, which is good that's it's not what we got last last season so it's that's a good thing um but honestly this episode kind of bored me maybe it was just because of i was at tiff this weekend and everything i saw was intense and retina scarring so maybe that didn't help but yeah most like it just seemed to there seemed to be quite a lot of characters talking about stuff as opposed to getting into creepy situations, which is what I was expecting based on the immense amount of praise. Oh, so creepy. Oh, so scary. Oh, like, I I, I'm, I shouldn't have watched that before, bed. like, really, people? Are you all 12? That scared you? Come on. Raise your game.
0: Okay, well, co- Thingy under the blanket. Thingy under the blanket was creepy. Really? It was creepy. It was creepy it, because... You've had it creepy
3: when there was a traffic cone under a blanket?
0: I found it creepy when there was... I thought it was filmed in such a way... You didn't know how big it was or small it was. They didn't put allow it to be in perspective. Um, so you, it seemed like it was growing and becoming massive... When in fact, apparently, may, that might not have been the case. I think that they... Again... The, the, the MVP for this episode, as far as I'm concerned, is Murray Gold and his scoring, because I'm watching this and they have clustered strings, uh, you know, in, in like half steps and in dissonant intervals. They have a consistent rise of the uh, of, you know, in that opening scene, particularly um, they, they have the strings continually to rise and then drop back down, but but never quite resolving. And that's that kind of stuff. I'm s- sitting here watching it. And like not realizing that i'm not really breathing and then i'm then why am i not breathing and i'm realizing it's because of the scoring it's it's very over the top or very present scoring but it was effective for me
3: did did you just say nice things about murray gold
0: i did just say nice things about murray gold it's possible for me to say nice things about murray gold uh i love his 11th doctor theme that's about it
3: okay (laughs) (laughs) and this and you like and this
0: yeah Uh, i i he gets tends to be over the like really massively over the top kind of killing some of the stuff some of the scenes with some of his scoring but it's hard to know how much of that is him and how much of that is what the producer wants so that's one of the challenges with assigning blame to scores you never know if that's really what the composer wanted or what the producer wanted it's a collaborative medium but here i thought it was very effective so i think he deserves some praise
3: I, I think for me, what really didn't work was the thesis of the episode, which is about how fear is important and and fear is healthy and fear is good for you and fear blah blah blah. characters going on about fear and the thesis about fear and fear is your companion. Oh, do you like how I threw companion in there? like, oh. Come on, Moffat.
0: That's also a first doctor come off, quote. Come
3: off it, Moffat.
0: But uh, yeah, the, you know, it was more effective for me than it was for you. Clearly, uh, I thought the this last scene in the barn worked well. I didn't. It didn't ex- explode my brain like it seems to have everybody else's. But uh, I thought it worked. And um, yeah, I, I would just again this. Uh, the other thing that really worked for me about this episode was Danny Pink. That character's really worked, as far as I'm concerned. And the way that they've been showcasing Clara all season. Um, that continues here, and that was also very effective for me. So yeah, I thought it was another strong episode in what has been a real return to form for the series. But so then any other thoughts on Doctor Who, or shall we move on?
3: Uh, yeah, not really. This, this. If you could see, I'm making the hand moving over the head because it went over mine, or possibly very far under mine this week. I don't know which, which it was.
0: Well, what about Outlander, episode six, which, again, have you seen any other episodes of Outlander, or did you just jump in with this one?
3: I totally just jumped in this week, and <laughs> okay, I have some questions. So, is it normal for an entire episode to be like two scenes?
0: Um, it's usually there's a few more.
3: Because I'm pretty sure there. Okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but ninety percent of this episode took place in that one room with a different combination of characters, uh, which was interesting. It was almost a bottle episode, except for the Passion of the Christ bits. Um, so that it does it, has it done that before?
0: Well, it, it there tends to be, I mean, it's, she's in a very limited space. She's basically a prisoner, uh, cause she's suspected by the Scots of being an English spy. And then here she's suspected of being a Scottish sympathizer. Um, so she's been basically under lock and key since she's been in the past. So there's only so many places she goes, but, um, but no, this was certainly much more of a chamber piece where you just have... Her talking. I mean, this was the big climactic return of Blackjack Randall. Um, he was first seen in the pilot; hasn't been seen until now. So, no, this was even more talking and sitting in a room with uh, people than than the show normally does. But it is it is a very, uh, it's very much a talking kind of show. This is probably the most talky show, uh, maybe even since TNG. Uh so this there's a, there's a lot of talking on this show.
3: Right. But then sometimes there's whipping. And I guess we should probably talk about that. I guess what I find interesting about this show based on this one episode so this is all conjecture is when I first heard about it it sounded like it was a very possibly even refreshingly feminine and soapy take on you know this this kind of you know vaguely I mean, we're calling it a sci fi show. We're putting it in genre, but it's really more of a drama. But still, it's v- sort of. This isn't the kind of subject matter you, you're used to seeing get even quasi serious treatment on TV with this sort of perspective. And the fact that it was Ron Moore doing it uh, was also interesting. So I wasn't really expecting something so brutish, uh, which is kind of an interesting combo.
0: Yeah, I think they've done a really good job of fleshing out Claire. Um...
3: Half <laughs> fleshing.
0: <laughs> this is by far, uh, by the way that that we haven't had anything like that whipping scene on the the show so far. So, um, yeah, that that was something new uh, this week. But they've done a good job with Claire, and I, I complained in the first few weeks of her feeling too marry Sue um, and not having any flaws. And they've they've certainly helped with that. I mean, when you just look at the plot points here, it's like, oh, look, she's gonna have to marry. Mr. Gorgeous Scottish right, guy, yeah. oh no, it's the only thing she can do if she's going to get ah, back shucks. to her own husband and her own time. Um, but, you know, the fact that they make such like a blatant, really guys, plot point, they they make it work as far as I'm concerned. And so that's yeah, impressive. Yeah.
3: yeah, that's what I meant about sort of the tropes of like the romance novel being taken seriously creates this sort of pleasant cognitive dissonance especially when placed next to let's have five minutes of this guy getting whipped almost to death
0: well i just i just you know i love the end of the episode where she basically i'm assuming that's her agreeing she's like i'm getting drunk
3: yeah that was that was a great moment and and also because i was i was unprepared and hadn't watched the show before uh i was pleasantly slash uh, I I guess no. What's the word I'm looking for? I was appropriately, uh, appropriately shocked by the stomach kicking, uh, etc., which I didn't see coming. So, good job, Ron Moore, because maybe we were supposed to see that coming, but I certainly didn't.
0: Well, I it's I was like, there's no way that he's oh he talks to her for 30 seconds, and this guy that is introduced, uh, trying to rape her is you know oh i'm i want to just apologize he's like i'm like i don't believe it so i was i did i did not expect him to just punch her in the stomach and you know i always appreciate a show that has somebody get the wind knocked out of them and actually has them get the wind knock out- knocked out of them she gets just leveled and she just like can't you know t- she can't catch her breath right away and then he just starts kicking her i mean that's what it looks like when you beat somebody up and i love that they actually did that
3: yep i've i've had the wind knocked out of me it's a lot like that
0: yeah any other thoughts on outlander are you gonna catch up with some of the other episodes or are you just gonna keep going forward
3: i'll i i will see what i have time for i'm in school now so it's tricky but i will uh, i'll certainly at least keep going with it it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting little show
0: Well, let's move on to the dramas, and I'll kick things off with The Honorable Woman, The Hollow Wall. This is the penultimate episode, so I'm going to just not, you know, kind of glaze over this one. Hopefully you'll get a chance to catch up with the show before the finale next week. But this was another uh, interesting episode, and, um, you know, they have... I'm sure most of us did not expect that conclusion, and uh, it's tricky for me because... I watched this episode and then said, okay, screw it. I've been good all season. I'm watching the finale because I have them. Uh, but I've been trying to watch along with everybody else and not get ahead. So I don't want to say too much because, of course, I've seen the finale and I watched them back to back. So I'm not exactly re- remembering where the cutoff is. Uh, but I will say I thought they, the, the end of the episode works really well. The climactic conclusion and reveals and all of that. And uh i think you guys will all enjoy the finale and i guess i'll leave it there and be very vague um until we talk about it next week any do you have is this one that see this is one of the big ones that i would say that you haven't had a chance to catch up with yet
3: yeah this is the major one because i'm i'm honestly i'm waiting to just sit down and watch it in the sitting but can you clarify something for me is it just a short first season or is it a mini series
0: it's a mini series eight episodes one and done
3: and the ending's the ending
0: the ending's the ending
3: all right, and then now I'm looking forward to it even more.
0: Okay, well, let's move on to the the drama series. And first up, we have The Nick, The Capture the Heat. This is your first chance to talk about The Nick. Uh, what do you think? Have, again, did you just jump in with this one, or have you seen any other episodes?
3: No, I'm actually caught up on The Nick. I've I've watched all of it. And, oh, The Nick. The Nick is, I, I'm sure you've already gotten into this, but it is one of the best-looking, sounding, and feeling shows not just on, but maybe ever made. It's just an amazing show to watch. The fact that it's shot in Manhattan, I don't even know how that works. Like, I don't, I I don't really, I don't really, I I assume it was shot in, you know, Toronto or Vancouver, like everything else, but no, it's, it's set, you know, it's shot where it's set, kinda, uh, you know, with a few, with a few alterations, obviously, that's amazing. Uh, The music is mind-blowingly amazing.
0: The imagine is what? (laughs)
3: Uh, yeah. Cliff Martinez. Oh my God. Blows my mind every week. Just the notion of, of having a pulsing electronic score for this show. It makes the show. There's other things that also make the show, but that thing really makes the show. Um, and it's so weird that there's so many aspects of the production of the show that are so sophisticated, bleeding edge, fantastic and wonderful. And yet there's aspects of the writing that are so transparent and clunky and awkward that in in particular, this was last week's episode, for instance, but like the way that we got a you know a bloody attempted abort abortion that goes wrong so that a character can understand why another character does back alley abortion so you've just invented that character to prove a point like stuff like that just really gets my goat, and I feel like there's something like that every week
0: yeah the the nun and ambulance driver characters work really well for me um so that does not feel as uh as forced maybe as some of the other elements do um but i, I hear where you're coming from I, I i agree that the some of the production elements uh are the real strengths of the show but they've done a good job cuz the first few episodes present this as a different show i think than it becomes um it presents it much more as the uh the Clive Owen show and it's become mm-hmm. a real ensemble drama and that was a That's true. very smart move because i don't care about clive owen at all i don't i don't care about that character even a little bit so the more that we spend time with some of these other characters like like the uh, ner- the nun and the ambulance driver for example the more i enjoy enjoy the world and um and so it's i mean for me it sounds like you enjoy the show a lot more than i do uh, i like it but it's not like appointment viewing i have to you know at times i have to remember that it's coming up that i need to watch it i'll be like oh yeah that's right there was another episode of the nick i should watch that as opposed to i can't wait to you know um so while i i really enjoy it while i'm watching it's not one that's become something that i always look forward to and so i'm hoping that in the next few episodes before the end of the season that'll happen it'd be great for it to make that leap um but it's still not quite there for me
3: yeah, I think that's fair, and I th- I think, but I th- but I think you would agree with me that the weakness is in the writing, principally. Like, I don't think there's anything mm. wrong with it, regardless of how you feel about Clive Owen's character. I don't think there's anything wrong with his performance. No, no, I would uh, agree with you know, that. He, he's great, and actually, and I care about the character more now that he's part of the ensemble. Now that he's there less, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, like he 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 makes more sense as an ensemble character than as a main character. So you know that's a great choice. Um I think that it's it's a little bit troublesome that Algernon seems to not really have any flaws um, and seems to be just very upstairs. Like It would be a more interesting show if he was actually a little bit more like Thack. Maybe they could you know, mm. trade a few attributes because it just makes aspects of the show too easy, which is really too bad because one of the strengths of the show is the way it doesn't gloss over its racism, or rather the period racism at all. Uh, particularly in again the previous week's episode with the the punching and you surgeon you know you shouldn't be punching you're a surgeon (laughs) etc things like that like hilarious period kick him um (laughs) god uh yeah like that's the stuff that the show is good at and you know it's the nastier the show gets the better it is and i think that's true in every sense and Uh, I'm sort of hoping that next season, frankly, Soderbergh takes over writing as well as all those other things he's already doing for it, because I I just I think that I I think multiple times while watching the show that the way it's shot is brilliant and unique, and Soderbergh does his own camera operation, so we can specifically thank him for that. Uh, But yeah, I, I just it makes the more sort of transparently constructed bits of writing and and you know scenario creating stand out so much more because the feel of the show is so good
0: yeah i feel i i i I hear what you're saying and yeah because because the characters i point to are the weaselly guys into money for the mob it's like i I, you know or into the mob for money like that's i don't care about that character i've seen that character before there's nothing new there me. I, I
3: I will say that the, the the moment that most gave me hope for the show was, and I hate to keep referring to last week's episode, but uh, the you know the innocent nurse character when she's following Thack through Chinatown and seeing what he's up to, and then at the end of the episode, just kind of bikes in the other direction. That was a great moment. that That told us everything we needed to know about what's going on. It was qu- sort of quietly unexpected. That was nice. That that's what I want more of.
0: Yeah, they that. That nurse character, they seem very interested in her, but I don't think... But I'm not... Are you interested in Lucy? I know her name.
3: Yeah, that's something. I mean, I like that they have... I mean, the show seems to be quite dogged about avoiding the typical romance arcs. Like, the closest we've had to a romantic moment is when she shot, you know, heroin into his dick or whatever Mm -hmm. that was. Um, You know, which is not exactly standard courtship for this or any other period. Uh, So I like that they've avoided that. I hope that it's not just them playing the long game.
0: I feel like it might be.
3: But I don't know yet. Feel like it might be, hoping it isn't.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, well, let's move on to Boardwalk Empire, Um, the good listener. And I caught up with the first episode and this episode this week. Um, So we're on the same page with this one. You've seen the first two episodes. And I've mentioned it previously, and it's now proven to be true. The magic... Of not reviewing a show. I really enjoyed these two episodes. I was so glad to be back in this world. I did not expect that after last season. Last season became a slog for me. Um, but, I mean, it certainly helps that one of the first characters we see is Sally, who we loved last season and is great here as well. Uh, what did you What do you think of these first two episodes? Uh,
3: well, the time jump is interesting because, um, on one hand... Like, I don't know what the behind-the-scenes process was. I guess they figured out that they only wanted to do one more season, so they figured, well, we're honoring history. There's, this is the story we want to tell. The most the most appropriate thing to do is jump ahead, uh, which, you know, it makes sense. It's, I mean, the most obvious sad loss is Michael Stuhlbarg, who is so goddamn good, and the fact that he's not on the show anymore is depressing. Um, so, so much so that we there, there, there was a reference to him being dead in both episodes. I feel like there needs to be one in every episode. But anyway, that's probably not going to happen. I like that we at least still have Michael Shannon, who I wasn't expecting to still see on the show. Uh, I feel like you can't have the show without him, even though he's usually only tangentially, co- you know, connected to current events. Uh, pairing him up with Shea Wiggum, I think is, is a good move. Yeah, Cause it's like we're watching Take Shelter again, but um Uh, Yeah, there's good and bad things in these episodes. I think, I feel like you're going to agree with me on this one. If you're going to do flashbacks to Nucky as a kid, if you want to do it in the premiere, fine. Are we really going to do this every episode?
0: Yeah, I'm fine with the flashbacks. I know other people are not on board with those, but I mean, maybe it's because I did watch these back to back. So they felt very much of a piece. There's only eight episodes this season. Um, I am completely fine following that through the season. Yeah, like, it
3: doesn't offend me or anything. I'm just wondering, like, is this really telling us anything about Nucky we didn't already know or haven't already had explained to us obliquely in previous seasons?
0: Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the other seasons, and yet I don't feel like I'm learning something new.
3: Yeah, there you go. So, you know, they're, they've got some nice moments here and there, but not exactly uh, essential viewing. Uh, I did like the reference uh, and visual callback to to uh, Billy that we got in the second episode. I don't think that means anything to you, or does it? I don't remember. Anyway, I forget which seasons you've the seen. The name
0: is familiar. I've only seen the last season and then the little bits of the season. Okay,
3: yeah. So you have no idea who Billy is, but we we saw a, an image of her in the second episode, and she was a big deal a couple seasons ago. Anyway,
0: yeah. I I'm I read up. I I'm just I'm familiar with that character. There you yeah. go.
3: Um, but yeah there were some you know you mentioned watching these back to back and it was kind of like a double premiere because you the whole thing is really just one long catch up except for the Nucky stuff you know we see it's not until this episode that we see Gretchen Maul and we see Michael Shannon we understand what they're doing and we still haven't gotten to the secret of Gretchen Maul's de-aging machine but we we do see what she's up to now and I, I do like that they just never kill her off um it was annoying at first but now i've come to respect it
0: yeah she's just too great it's it's sort of like the michael shannon thing where yeah it would have made sense for them to write him off seasons ago and the show i think suffered for not doing that it would have been cleaner uh and just worked better if they had but then they wouldn't have michael shannon so it's hard to fault them
3: exactly yeah
0: you know, they haven't done a good job of making him feel uh, connected to anything that's going on. This season really improved. Having, having like you say, having, uh, I forget the character's name, Shea Wiggum there, uh, makes a big difference in how related he feels to Nucky, if Nucky's supposed to be the center. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's certainly a big improvement on where he was last season or what they did with him last season. And, uh, yeah, what about, what about uh, Chucky? Any thoughts?
3: Uh, Well, again, we only saw him in the premiere. Um, I mean, I don't know why, but for some reason, the second we saw him in prison, I knew that he wasn't going to be in prison by the end of the episode. So none of that really uh, came as a surprise. Although the premiere has some uh, really effective moments of sudden shocking violence, and it's hard to do that in 2014 uh, because you and I, we've seen pretty much all of it. Um, And after this weekend, I've now seen even more than you. (laughs) Oh, I've seen some <laughs> things. Anyway, um, but uh, so that's always nice when someone can can still uh, jar us with a moment of violence and remind us that screen violence is supposed to be jarring some of the time. But uh, I would say that the I don't, I don't know about you, but plot thread I care least about Nucky's son. Don't care. Find the 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 actor anti-charismatic.
0: No, I think I'm fine with that, and uh, because I think it could lead to something interesting, so I'm willing to go with it. Especially, we spent all that time with him last season, so I sort of feel like they better make that time we spent with him last season mean something. Right, if they're going to yeah. do that, I feel better about having had to write about him every week last year.
3: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So
0: that's uh, sort of where I am at with it.
3: Yeah, what I do like about the season is it's an eight episode season. It's it's a shortened order for them. I've noticed this is happening a lot recently. Uh, specifically on HBO maybe, but shows getting just sort of these quick one-off Ender seasons, uh, which I think it's going to turn out to be a good move for Boardwalk Empire because it gives these episodes more of like a sort of Godfather 2 feel where it's sort of like an overview of events rather than seeing all of the events, if that makes any sense. We're getting the highlight reel of the rest of it, which is... Maybe would have been a good approach for Boardwalk Empire the whole time.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen enough of the. I haven't seen any of the first three seasons, so I can't tell you about that. But certainly, I, f- I feel like uh, this season is going to benefit from that shortened order. It's going to make them uh, have to establish their priorities. And so we'll see how the show benefits from that. But I, I think it's a good move. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on Borbock Empire or is it time for some Masters of Sex?
3: Uh, just somebody get Michael stolberg a goddamn series. Please. Love that guy.
0: <laughs> can't argue. Certainly can't argue. Okay, well, let's move on to our final show of the week and that's Masters of Sex, Below the Belt. Are you all caught up in this one as well or is this another jump in midseason?
3: I'm fully caught up on Masters of Sex. I feel like the exact same thing happened with Masters of Sex last season, to be honest, where uh, we were really excited about the concept of the show. First few episodes were solid. Then it had, like, a couple of really great episodes. And then it got to, like, mid-season doldrums, which is kind of, like, where I feel we're at right now. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like the last couple episodes they seem to have trouble sustaining a 13 or 12, whichever it is, 12 or 13 episode order, uh, and keeping it consistently compelling for that whole time, because we had some amazing episodes earlier this season. And now it's right now. I'm really struggling to tell you what the show is about.
0: Well, I think the, the nature of their relationship, the historical figures and, uh, this, you know, the nature of studies where they take a long time, guys, Mm -hmm. uh, can can lead to some issues for people. I really liked what we were getting earlier this season with Betty and her husband, and that's clearly gone now. But having her be part of the main staff has worked really well, and watching her grow um, has worked really well. But, of course, now we're spending less time with her. She's just sort of around the office, but she's being given less interesting things to do. Um, whereas, um, you know, this the last few episodes, what I think has really been working all season is the way they've been... Uh, Handling again, we talked about it with the Nick, but handling race and racial issues. And so, to have the show go so fully into, uh, no, Libby's terrible, and then move her in this direction now, a few years later, in the character's life, I think has worked really great. It's been, you know, a really fun avenue for the show. So, while, yes, the, the heights of some of those earlier season episodes maybe they haven't been able to maintain, I think there's been a lot of really interesting stuff going on all season.
3: Like I, I don't think anything in the show is insulting. I don't know why insulting is the word of the week. I just I, I like the impact of it. Nothing in the show. I, I, I never roll my eyes at it. That there's like a certain caliber of writing and acting going on that makes it consistently watchable. But, you know, I we get to stuff like Langham and his boss and their sex thing, which is you know it's amusing, and they've got fun chemistry, etc. But is it really? Adding? I don't
0: think that's I don't think that's amusing at all. That's rape.
3: Uh, well, I think Langham's reactions are kind of amusing.
0: <laughs> you think his you think wait 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 you think his reaction of please don't make me have sex with you again to keep my job I love this job you think that's amusing. I find it
3: hard to take Langham se- anything that happens to Langham seriously because he's such a buffoon, and I feel like if the show wants us to take what happens to him seriously, they're gonna need to readjust some things. You're, okay. You're shaking well then, your head at me. There's no way we're going to agree on I,
0: this. There's no way we're going to agree on this. I thought, oh, wow. I mean, I think that those scenes worked really well. And to take a character who has been so cartoonish and to put him in this situation, I think, is very interesting.
3: Although, um, get okay, I really risk stepping on some stuff here. But I'm sorry. I'm never going to take a woman raping a man as seriously as I'm going to take a man raping a woman. I'm just not. At least not in a circumstance like this like it just it, it's not it doesn't have the same impact as an act to me it doesn't have the same sociological import like it's yes it's theoretically upsetting but watching it happen is at least like this has an element of farce to it i'm sorry
0: i don't think men being raped is funny so I, I I'm not I don't giving think, you I don't any ground. I'm, I'm, an, the...
3: I'm not saying it's inherently funny. I just think that because of what we know about the character and how we've been he's been, you know, a laughing stock for the entire series, I feel like that, you know, impacts our view of the scene. Uh, you're you're making I wish you could all see the face that's being made at me right now.
0: There is there I could not have more judgment <laughs> in my face. I really couldn't. So you're saying so.
3: I'm not talking about life. A I'm character, about, a about character, depiction.
0: a character depicted as promiscuous. Then we should care less. No, it's it's
3: it's not about his promiscuity. Raped. It's about his hypocrisy.
0: So again, so hypocrites again can't <laughs> be raped. So like no, in no, no, no. Spartacus, I'm not saying,
3: look, okay, no, season
0: no. two, <laughs> we shouldn't care.
3: No, hold on. I'm specifically talking about this particular gender relationship <laughs> first of all
0: okay and second okay. of all
3: i'm not saying that it's not rape i'm just saying it doesn't have it's not the same as watching a, a violent man on woman rape sequence it doesn't have the same impact to me does it have the same impact to you
0: i think it's it, it is a different impact but it's not like it's but less... do you think it's
3: like oh you you think it's a comparable impact really
0: I think it's, I thought this was disturbing. So I you, so
3: you watch yeah. this scene and it's like watching Gaspar Noé's Irreversible or something?
0: I haven't watched that one because well, I it, don't need that in my brain. Okay.
3: But you know what I mean. <laughs> like it's,
0: I know what you mean, but I'm not going to agree that this is somehow uh, a less effective or it it's, it's a different kind of violation. But it's still, I mean, and the fact that, that, men being raped is such a underreported and undercovered and under discussed topic in our culture, I think makes the fact that they're going there with this, with it, with this character and the show all the more interesting. Unfortunately, we see women get raped on television all the time on fictional television. Very frequently. Uh, We very rarely see men put in a position like this.
3: Wait a second. Um, wow we're going so off topic here but i i just have (laughs) to ask i just have to ask what do you think the rates of men being raped by women are like how much do you think that's really happening i mean i'm sure it's happening but as compared to men raping women what do you think the percentage is like what's the ratio
0: i don't know i don't know the research on it but i know that it happens and i know that it's this sense that if the body responds then therefore it's less of a rape or less of an assault when the same thing happens to women and that's not they they are not looked as you know being somehow asking for it or participating and all of that and so uh i think that it's a tricky topic that doesn't get discussed because it's tricky um and i i the the stats in real life i don't know them and i don't think that they are anywhere near comparable percentage wise or anything like that but can you think of another show that has done something like this
3: okay can i I reformulate this in a way that i think won't be offensive i feel like if the show wanted this to feel impactful and to take it as seriously as you clearly are um I don't think it did it because like, I didn't feel any of that and maybe I should have, but I really didn't. And maybe, maybe it's my fault and I'm a terrible person, but (laughs) I would like to think I'm a pretty open-minded viewer. And you know, I just, I, it it didn't have, it didn't, God, God help me. But it, it just didn't feel rapey enough. If that's what (laughs) they were going for. I'm just, I'm using that as a, as a verb now. So sorry. Anyway. Wow. So if you want <laughs> we could we could do this for another half hour if you want.
0: We probably shouldn't. We should probably move on. Uh but I do you know what, again, shows that prompt conversation like this are always one that ones that I am happy to have on on the rotation. And yes. so I look forward to hearing from you guys. I would prefer this to be more of a comment at the website kind of a thing, as opposed to a hundred and forty characters on Twitter kind of a thing but i do look forward to other people's thoughts about it and you know i haven't looked at other reviews i haven't looked on twitter for the response so i have no idea how most people reacted to this scene it's very possible that that there are going to be a lot more people who who watched uh that scene and that sequence and had the same reaction that you did simon um i just know for me it was it was um impactful and uh so I just I, I I look forward to hearing what other people think.
3: Yes, uh, can I just add? And
0: I and you're not you're not a bad person, and you're not a, you're, <laughs> of course not. I'm just being uh, very judgmental of your reaction in this. But obviously, Simon uh, does not need people giving him a hard time. I feel I have given you enough of a hard time. Yes,
3: I can always use more of a hard time. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, I will add on a totally unrelated note as much as i wasn't enthralled with every aspect of uh bill has a secret brother which was s- such a weird thing for this show to pull um christian Borrell is good casting for that i think yeah yeah like you'd never think that they w- it never occurs to you that they that they could look related until you see them side by side and you're like oh yeah uh,
0: i can see it yeah i
3: can see it and i and i like that it i i like the scene we got of um of Sheen and Anne Dowd finally actually having a moment of agreeing on something, uh, that was that was a nice little little moment. But yeah, Masters of Sex never quite as consistently awesome as I want it to be. But it's still still a worthwhile thing, and it's been renewed, which you probably mentioned already. But that's always nice to hear
0: yep yep definitely uh so great to have and Dowd. it's it's like the year of and out it as really well. is
3: she's everywhere it's um also yeah. if anyone's still still watching ray donovan i really want to know who you are so i can see that you're real
0: <laughs> yeah i've not heard anyone talking about that one uh but i'm sure that someone out there is watching it or has it come back yet i don't even know if it's come back yet
3: uh, it did it's it's been airing alongside masses of sex and it also got renewed
0: Oh yes, that's true. I I knew about that. Yeah, I've not heard anybody talking about Ray Donovan, so it's true. Maybe they maybe they don't quite exist. Uh, well, let's let's wrap up our week in genre <laughs> and drama here, uh, because I think we've gone on enough of a digression. What wins this week in genre and drama for you, Simon?
3: <sighs> um, good question. Um, you know what? Just for being totally unlike anything else that's happening this season, I'm gonna give it to Outlander what a weird show that is
0: (laughs) um this week i'm going to give it to hmm they're all pretty there's a lot of ones that are pretty much equal none nothing really stands out to me i know the whovians out there probably upset with me for not immediately going to dr who because i did like that one quite a bit but um i also really liked outlander uh I also really liked *Boardwalk Empire*. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll join you in the *Outlander* love. I think this week. There we go. It, it was, it was a week of, um, especially with the genre shows for me, seeing the strings, but not caring, right? Because of the execution. So, um, honorable mention to *Doctor Who*. Honorable mention to, to basically everything else. But I'll give it to *Outlander* as well.
3: All right. Good on you, Ron Moore
0: a few show notes you can find a post up at Sunset.org for this episode where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of this week's TV uh, not just Masters of Sex but everything else as well uh, you can also email us theteleverse at gmail.com you can uh, find us in iTunes where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed you can also like us on Facebook to follow the goings on soundonsite TV and uh, of course Simon and myself what else you can find us on Twitter I'm at the televerse and you are
3: at suckerhowl
0: and Simon, what is our question of the week?
3: Uh, well, given that a lot of our chatter this week was about period shows—from *Masters of Sex* to *The Nick* to *Boardwalk Empire*, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. *Outlander*, Outlander yeah. right? Yeah, a little bit different, but still. Um, I'm wondering if there's any periods that people feel like they haven't seen represented that they want to see, uh, whether geographical and you know temporal, that you feel are underrepresented. Personally. I'm still waiting for a you know a super realistic time travel show where people get back to the Viking period and I'll get blood eagled in the pilot.
0: uh, oh, you're just waiting for the Vikings to blood Eagle, didn't they do that? I feel like they did, but maybe I'm wrong.
3: I'm sure they must have,
0: yeah, okay. um let me think what time period do I want to see that I have not already seen? You know what I would love to see it would be some kind of a a look at. Um, various some time period, but it, rather than going cause people there's several series notable series of like ancient Rome or while or, or the like the 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 you know west you know American West or frontier or that kind of a thing I can't think of a show other than I guess Doctor Who a couple stories that has looked at uh China or Japan like East Asian history mm-hmm I feel like that could be really interesting.
3: And I'm sure when Doctor Who did it, it was super realistic with extra. Hey Marco
0: Polo, there's 12 episodes, and they're all lost. I think so. It's just audio, and yeah, yeah. But it was that that one. That one is is fun. But you know, not. I don't go to Doctor Who for my history <laughs> most of the time. Uh, anyways, but that I guess that's my that's my answer because I think that could be fun. There we go. Let us know what you think. Okay, now we're going to take a break and come back with Alzheimer Wilkins from the AB Club and debating Doctor Who to talk about the British sketch show, That Mitchell and Webb Look. We'll be right back after this. So, who should we invite to our next
1: do? Oh, let's invite Money Penny. Oh, yeah, let's have Money Penny. She's always good value. Although, what? There's a chance she'll bring that bloke. Oh, God, yeah, I think I know the one you mean. The tall one. What's his name? John. James. James, yeah. What a penis. (laughs) Well, you remember last time, it was only a barbecue, and he turned up in his tuxedo. Hello, stood around making smug remarks. I don't know what Moneypenny sees in him. Well, you remember that drinks do I had just before Christmas? Moneypenny brings John... James. James along. Oh, God, but I thought Christmas spirit. Absolutely. So I said, hi, James, we've got mulled wine, or I think there's some beer in the fridge. Yeah. Cock-ass for a martini. A martini? A martini, yeah. Oh, come on. So I said, I'm sorry, James, I don't think I've got any martini. I mean, why would I have any martini? What does he think it is? 1973? <laughs> I mean, where does that guy get off? He keeps leaving these around. I think he gets them free at work. It's a money penny I feel sorry for. Do you see when I was going around with the body? What? Well... I said to Moneypenny, can you manage another finger in there? Meaning? Finger of vodka in her glass of drink. Exactly. Self-explanatory. Yeah. And then James starts rolling his eyes like he's having some kind of stroke and says, <laughs> oh, you can always get another finger inside Moneypenny. <laughs> he said what? I just literally did not know where to look.
0: We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kolsick, joined uh, once again by Simon Howell. And this week at the DVD shelf, we're talking a little more British comedy uh, with with guest Elster uh, Wilkins from the AV Club and debating Doctor Who. Elster, welcome to the show. We're going to talk a little Mitchell and Webb.
2: Yes, which I'm quite excited to do.
0: There used to be lots of uh, American comedy duos as well, but I feel like that's less of a thing in the United States uh, at this point. The but, double act. Yeah. Yeah,
2: the double act is its a very British phenomenon. The, the blank and blank construction is, is the sort of core of British comedy. Even like Monty Python, which was six people, was like two double acts you know, out of the, you know, so 66.6% mm-hmm. double act.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for me, I I first became familiar with it with uh, actually watching Jeeves and Wooster with uh, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry and then later watching a bit of Fry and Laurie and stuff. So for, I would heard of Mitchell and Webb, but I hadn't watched, I don't think, any of their of their work. And of course, we're talking specifically this week about that Mitchell and Webb look. Um, what What made you want to talk about this show?
2: Uh, Well, this show is, I I have to admit, I'm not the biggest fan of sketch as a comedy form. Um, And I I just have to say, when I discovered Mitchell and Webb, David Mitchell, Robert Webb, and that Mitchell and Webb look in particular a couple years ago, I just fell in love with it. Like, it reignited my love of what sketch comedy can be. Um, And I think part of it, I think you mentioned Fry and Laurie. To me, these are very much the spiritual successors. To Fry and Laurie um, as as the sort of very very intellectual kind of comedy, uh, very very British, very intellectual, very Oxbridge kind of form. So uh, I'm just it it's it scratches me where I itch, so to speak, comedically
0: sketch tend to be very much a hit and miss experience and the beauty of watching sketch shows on uh on dvd or in the you know mitchell that mitchell web look is pretty much all of this up on youtube and i'm sure there are other streaming places where you can watch these episodes the beauty of it is uh of course if something doesn't work there's gonna be something else coming up right next and when you're, when you're marathoning it all, I forget the ones that didn't work, and the ones that did work stick with me, so it tends to be more successful for me in sort of marathon form. I didn't get to see as much of this as I would like. Uh, I saw the whole first season, and then a, a smattering of different sketches for the second, third, and fourth season, but there are certain ones of these that just were pretty much killing me, and uh, and those that... Maybe got a little tired for me, and uh, we'll get to some of these different sketches and recurring gags uh in a moment here uh these they weren't um as painful as I feel like there's nothing quite so unfunny as a sketch that isn't working and yet is still going um I don't know so maybe that's just because i again I'm not as big of a sketch person, but i you know I could watch uh, bitchy party planners talk about James Bond all night and be a happy kate.
2: I, and I'm quite, quite happy to do that as well. That That is uh, one of the finest uh, sketches they, they have, uh, which is, I think, something that they did originally on that Michelin Web look, which was their radio show, uh, which was sort of the original. Well, I mean, I think they've been working together since since Cambridge. But um, the idea of two people, it's sort of it just ambiguously defined couple, basically pa- played by them planning a party and describing various guests as just the most horrible people to have. And it's a thing from scooby-doo to james bond i think gandhi is one who actually they think would be a terrible uh, a terrible guest uh on the radio show so there, there's a whole range of people that it, it's a very good uh concept for a sketch
0: yeah there's there's any number of these that worked but that was the the first one that when i was watching that first season i was like y- y- i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy the show simon uh were you familiar with uh, Mitchell and webb the the comedy duo or this show in particular before the DVD shelf
3: Okay, quick moment of pedantry. I believe you just referred to their radio show as That Mitchell and Webb Look. I think you meant That which, that Michelin Webb
1: Sound.
2: Yes, that is that is true. I'm, I'm in something like hour uh, three of podcast recording today, so yes, I apologize oh. for the misspeak. That Michelin and Webb Sound.
3: We know how that goes. Um, <clears throat> I'm just getting back into the groove myself. Uh, I know Mitchell and Webb primarily through Peep Show, which... I'm have to set a rule for myself right now that I can't compare. I'm not allowed to compare this to keep Show, uh, so I'm just not going to do that. But I do love keep Show. One day, if and when it ever actually ends, I would I would love to DVD shelf it. But we'll save that for when it actually happens. I have uh, I have a similar relationship with Skep- with sketch shows as Kate does. Uh, I've I've probably seen overall more American ones than uh, than British ones. What I find interesting about Mitchell and Webb is it's it has a range of humor, it's and, and, a, and, a, and a wide stylistic range as well. It has very sort of traditional, if there, if you can, you know, say if, if TV sketch comedy has been around long enough to call it a tradition, I guess I guess we can we can say that. It has very traditional, sort of sketchy sketches, and then it also has some meta humor. It has some more surreal humor, uh, and I would say that there's nothing on the show that is edgier than let's say, uh, like. It, it's roughly as it, it, the edgiest it gets is about on par with let's say Mr. Show, and then there's a range below that that's less edgy, which is fine. You know, not every sketch comedy has to be uh, has to be on the bleeding edge all the time. But I, I do find it interesting to watch uh, this, this various these levels of meta humor, as well as this mix of high and low brow humor, which uh, they do uh, quite a lot of both. Um, you know, they're they're not above just throwing the, the word poo around. Uh, for an entire sketch for laughs, uh, but there's some there, there's some amusing highbrow humor as well. Uh, that being said, uh, it is the, the the quality is all over the place. There are some recurring bits that I think are amazing. I'm sure one that we we're probably going to talk about anyway that uh, must really work for some people and not at all work for other people would be uh, Sir Digby Chicken Caesar, which personally I. I'm in love with those sketches, and I can imagine them really gritting on other people. Uh, then again, the snooker guys don't work for me, mostly because that's just a, a step too far into Britishism for me. Uh, and then there's other one-off sketches that go on forever and just a- are absolutely horrible. Like the sketch with uh, with Santa Claus and his son... I have no idea what that game is about.
2: Oh, do you mean uh, the one, I think it's with Russ Claus? Yes, his, yeah. His brother. Uh, I think that that is a long walk to, I think it's, I think it's an East Enders pastiche that they're doing. Like, I think it's that sort of British uh, working class soap opera kind of thing that they're doing through the prism of Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, being uh, partially British myself, it, it helps. It sometimes helps the translation, but I, even I barely understand the cultural signifiers that sort of underlie that sketch. So, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing.
0: There are definitely some cultural uh, elements that don't translate for me, and uh, I did not see that one though. Now I'm now I'm curious, uh, but and and part of that, what I was seeing is there seems to be from my observing of doctor who and some other british shows just this not quite japanese game show level um love of reality and game show tv in in the uk but there seems to be a lot of affinity for for game shows in the in the uk and that for me is the explanation for number wang which never works for me what it happens so many times and it never works however i'm just so happy to see olivia coleman and patterson joseph and they're so game uh that 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 sketch even though i never laugh it just i also don't get annoyed by it the way that i should considering i don't find it funny i don't you
3: you would never guess that a few years later they'll both be in some of the grimmest tv you'll ever watch
0: it's, it's pretty great, uh, knowing them from more dramatic work, to, to go back and see them in this. Uh, what, what do you guys think about Number Wang?
3: Uh, I love Number Wang. Uh, not loving Number Wang is incorrect. That's my that's my thought. No, I mean, and I also love Word Wang. It's very, it's been off, rather.
2: Uh, I am probably Number Wang agnostic, I would say. Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they retired that bit after Patterson Joseph stopped being on the show at the end of the first season. Cause I do think as you kind of touched on Kate, like a lot of the fun of that is just wa- watching Patterson Joseph and Olivia Coleman making fools of themselves as part of the, the premise of the sketch. I will say the German number Wang, I believe is a high point of civilization. It, it, but I will, I will go that far.
0: <laughs> the, I will, the best moment for me was when the, the, and I think it's in the last, last installment when they turned the, the, thing around and there's a game of uh Russian roulette happening. Uh that was pretty fantastic, I, I have to admit. But um no, uh, that I I, I guess I-, I enjoyed that we kind of run the gamut here. Uh, the one that I th- I find it entertaining Sam that you'll go to bat for uh for number wang. The one that for me really, really works like that um is the where is it? It is um is the shopkeeper or the, like the, um, the waiter.
2: Oh yeah. The insulting the David Mitchell is like insulting upper class people who are still unaccountably ex service in, in profession.
0: Yes. Yes. So the, the snooty waiter and then the shop clerk and it, that again, after the first time, it's like, I get it. It's funny. Why is it still funny? But just the commitment to that character which is essentially the same character as what we get in some of those um, uh, BBC uh, flashback-y kind of TV is new sketches, which I'm sure have a name that I'm not thinking of at the moment. Uh, it seems very similar to that kind of a character. Uh, 1940s man, basically. Uh, 40s guy. But I just I love it. It's so funny every single time.
2: I mean, I think that it's a good example of why diction is so important. Like, It's just this so the ultra-specific word choice. Like, it's the fact that it's, they're still unaccountably waiters, and they say that every single time that they, they feel the need to point out that it is not easily – it's unaccountable. Uh, and I think it, it plays to that – To David Mitchell's uh, delivery style, which is just that ability to take those overwritten, incredibly indignant rants, which I mean, he does like, you know, five bucks a pop on every British panel show as well. Like that is the thing that he does. But I will admit it just it it really overlaps with my comedic sensibility and and what I would want to be if I were a successful British comedian. So um, but I, I think that that's part of it is just like it is the very specific word choice that they're ultra specific in the kind of character that they're drawing. It's not just a vague upper-class stereotype. It's informed by some pretty specific ideas.
1: Well,
3: I would add that many of the sketches that revolve around Mitchell characters that involve him being arrogant and or judgmental and or superior just tend to work better because frankly, he kind of comes across like a nicer version of that anyway uh, do you ever see any of the, I haven't seen him on, uh, quiz shows a lot, but I've seen a few of his, uh, his little mini rants that apparently run on the BEC sometimes. I've seen them on YouTube, I don't, I forget what they're called. But sorry, David
2: Mitchell's Soapbox.
3: Thank you, David Mitchell yes. Soapbox. I've seen a few of those, and that, those are just him ranting about stuff that he apparently genuinely believes, and I've, I've read a couple of editorials as well. He just really likes to rant about stuff and tell people that they're incorrect. It's his favorite thing to do. So when you have a character who's doing that on the show, you get the sense that it's not that much of a stretch. There's a, a really funny one uh, late in the run uh, where he meets a, a Robert Webb character who thinks he, he has uh, good people skills, but he really doesn't. And he you can just sense the palpable delight he has in explaining to him systematically how he does not, in fact, possess any people skills whatsoever.
0: Well, and then the other one that I had to specifically mention is... Uh, and again, and this was one of the first sketches I saw, so it was another one that really won me over to the show. The the Nazi asking, "Why are there skulls on our hats? Are we the bad guys?" Uh, I I always enjoy when somebody finds a way to do a Nazi joke I haven't heard, and that was what a big one for me. Do you guys have any other particular sketches like like Alistair, What's the sketch you go to bat for?
2: Uh. I, I mean, the you, you really take a very easy one because that's like one of the very first sketches that they do, and it is the exact quintessential Michelin Webb sketch. Uh, one of the ones that I love is – they do a few hospital-related ones, but I will say the – they have this recurring bit with the writers who do absolutely no research before, uh, writing their show. And I think some of them work better than others, but the first one they did, I think works like gangbusters, which is their medical drama one. Uh, and then you see like a minute and a half of the worst researched medical drama one where like, you know, they're, they're, too much electric is a medical diagnosis, and, you know, they, they take away from an autopsy that this person liked butter. Um, and it, it it's just because Mitchell and Webb, as the actors in this show, so completely commit to it that, that it works. So I, and that's another early one that I just remember thinking, this is exactly what I want from a comedy show.
3: I would say there's a few sketches that I think, had they been handled a little bit differently, would have been disastrous and totally not funny. And they're the ones that Basically involve characters sitting around dryly explaining something that is a, wi- a widely held belief or cultural phenomenon and therefore explaining how ridiculous it is. The two I'm thinking of in particular are the uh, Princess Diana assassination conspiracy theories. Uh, the other one I'm thinking of is uh, TV executives sitting around essentially giving birth to The Apprentice. And especially The Apprentice one, like it's kind of a, frankly kind of a lame idea for a sketch. But they, but Mitchell and Webb have that tone so down that they can manage to, to find sort of humor, in, again, in that sense of superiority and, and uh, I guess, uh, yeah, we could just call it you know, intellectual superiority and, and find that, that what's actually funny in there.
2: Yeah, I mean, could I – I, I want to make a comparison here with – because you mentioned uh, Fry and Laurie at, at the start. And I, I like a bit of Fry and Laurie quite a bit, um, which maybe is redundant in the wording, but – the thing that I, going back and watching some of those sketches, what I noticed is it's a much smugger version of Mitchell and Webb. Like, I think that there's a real art to doing, uh, as you say, like intellectual superiority without it seeming overwhelmingly smug. And I think it's that uh, David Mitchell is just so, just earnestly indignant in his persona about the things that are wrong about the world and and Robert Webb I think just has a sort of natural charm whereas sometimes when I watch uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie I feel like Fry and Laurie there is... It, that's a little too smug, a little too in that sort of direction of just we are so much smarter than the audience. And I always and I think that Michelin Web, I mean, they're they're absolutely guilty of that as well. But I I find that they manage to do it in a way that's a little more endearing because it it seems to come from a place that's a little less about the kind of constant intellectual abstraction of it all. I if if that makes sense. So I I think that that's also there's there's that weird sort of angry heart to it all that that makes it I think sometimes a little more. Uh, palatable.
0: Well, what I think also helps is uh, that R- Robert Webb has, uh, at least in the sketches I saw, in several of them, there's just a bit of the crazy eyes that he can really bring to a sketch that that cuts that and, and takes it in a completely different direction. Whereas with Fry and Laurie, uh, you get the sort of easygoing uh, persona of, of Laurie in some of those, and Hugh Laurie in some of those, but you never get that same kind of uh, manic maybe energy that Robert Webb give gives sketches like uh the chicken what is it, Sir
2: uh Sir Arthur Digby Chicken Caesar.
0: Yeah, Sir Arthur Digby Chicken Caesar or um you know even just some of the the moments like the 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 BMX biker and the angels when he's biking over and they're arguing about whether he should the Angels should release him and you know whether his BMX skills are really enough to do take care of these terrorists on their own um, there's just a, a bit more of uh, unpredictability I guess that I was seeing in his performance
2: I think you're right and and I Actually, it's just Sir Digby, Chicken, Caesar. I invented the Arthur, so apologies. It's just a rata all around from me tonight. Um, but I think the other thing, and I don't mean to bag on Fry and Laura, so I'll stop in a second, but I think you're right that like, at times when sort of Stephen Fry gets into full Stephen Fry mode, it can kind of overwhelm the show. And I think you're right that Robert Webb I think he's an. I think he gets underrated because I think David Mitchell is just the one who's. It's easier to react to and say, "Oh yeah, he's brilliant." This is why because he's got a much more clearly defined persona. But I do think, as you're right, that that sort of weird agog intensity Robert Webb can can bring to a sketch, I think tends to stop David Mitchell from steamrolling. When Mitchell certainly has that within him, and I think you're right. I think it creates just a slightly more balanced show overall.
3: Well, plus David Mitchell gets extra fans from people who think he's a novelist, but. um... The thing with Robert Webb is, especially when you the more of the show you watch, is that he's actually probably, actually almost definitely the more versatile of the two of them when it comes to actual performance, uh, and also in terms of the, the sort of characters he can inhabit. You know, Mitchell's really good at, you know, doing the David Mitchell thing, and he can branch out a little bit, but what's great about Webb is that he's perfectly capable of playing uh, batshit crazy characters as well as... Sort of more, even you know, puppy dog innocent characters and everything in between, uh, which you know, and the and the show understands that you know there's that there's the they do these behind the scenes sketches that sort of uh, sort of what I was saying before about meta humor and sort of Mr. Show territory. Although the show never attempts any segues. Mr. Show sure did, which is kind of too bad because I do love a good segue.
2: One of the best meta sketches is the one where they're actually going through and, and explaining why they've got to write one sketch that works, then two sketches that don't, and just sort of absolutely acknowledging the fact that how hit or miss sketches are, and just com- and just completely hanging the lampshade on that.
3: Yeah, the, the one I was thinking of involves them uh, unpacking their Mitchell and Webb action figures, and they've got such a great, they have such a, a fantastic grasp on what their personas are and what, what they're good at and how they're perceived.
0: Having not seen Mr. Show yet, which is is on the docket for a return guest, uh, we so I will have seen it at some point here, but uh, currently, having not seen Mr. Show, what I immediately went to uh, instead was the Ben Stiller show. Uh, and I, d- I definitely got that feel with, with the um, behind the scene transitions sort of between sketches. And, you know, the one that I had the most fun with was the birthday card um and, oh, and the Christmas letter those two those are just sort of more relaxed kind of but still very scripted interactions were the ones that were working best for me. Um, before we ran out of time, I feel like we should talk about the final sketch.
2: Yes, the final the final sketch where and it's sort of a, a follow up to in their penultimate episode. Uh, one of the actual behind there's sort of this behind the scenes runner where, uh, Mitchell and Webb mentioned the end of. Uh, Blackadder Goes Forth, which, Kate, I don't know whether... Are you familiar with Blackadder Goes Forth at all? I don't know if that's a thing you know about. A
0: little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah. Just a Um, few thousand words. (laughs)
2: Just a few thousand words about that, yes. So they basically... uh, David Mitchell mentioned he'd seen uh, the end of Blackadder Goes Forth and said the final joke just completely fell flat, um, not understanding what they'd been trying to do with the the going-over-the-top sequence. Uh, and then they get on this idea, oh, we've got to do something really serious to, you know, show that we're a mature show. And it sort of ends with a joke of killing off one of the cast members in, in real life. Um, but then just to show that they actually can do it, they do this final sketch with Sherlock Holmes, uh, completely senile, dementia, possibly Alzheimer's, and it really isn't a comedy sketch exactly for the f- 95% of the run it's this very sad character piece to end four uh seasons 24 episodes of of comedy it's a very interesting bold decision uh and then there's a poo joke
0: see here's the thing and i know this will be blasphemous to many um that sketch it doesn't the only two lines that work for it are the serious or the serious ones. The rest of it does not work for me because it's just, I don't think it's funny and I think it's trying to be, uh, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me dramatically. It doesn't work for me comedically until we get the, the two lines where they're trying to be serious. And they're like, they're, it, which is the show going, ha ha, we can do it. And then it goes back to going for the joke. And again, I didn't laugh once in that, and I felt like I was supposed to be laughing. I don't know. Simon, what do you think?
3: Uh, I, I think I fall somewhere in between in terms of how much it worked for me. I do wish that they, they, that they would have made more sort of attempts at structural meta humor, especially over multiple episodes, because uh, I always admire ambition like that. One day, we may get to talk about Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle, and
2: all of our brains will break.
3: But this isn't that day.
2: <laughs> I love Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle. Just want to get that out there. Favorite stand-up working.
0: I've never heard of that ever, so.
2: It's amazing.
3: <laughs> oh, you're either going to love or absolutely despise that too.
0: Good times. Good times. Well, do we have any final thoughts on uh, that Michelin web look?
2: One, well, okay. I'll say one of the things that I do like about the show that sets it apart from a lot of uh, British uh, sketch comedy and British comedy in general, um, they generally don't do much cross-dressing. They, they generally, if if uh, women play women characters, men play men characters. There's a few ex- there's there's a few exceptions to that, but um, I kind of like that because it does it it is one of the sort of supposedly iconic things of British humor, and I have to admit, as a Brit, I'm kind of glad that it just quietly moves past that. And while I you know it's still a very very male show because it's all Mitchell and Webb, I. Th- Think it expands it just, just, I think it expands the perspective just, just a tiny bit more than it might be otherwise. Well, I, I would expand
3: on that by saying that I, I appreciated all the uh, masculinity skewering humor, which uh, provides for some of the best, especially some of the best sort of quick hit sketches like uh, Mitchell's football announcer sketch, uh, sorry, football pitchman sketch, which, uh, I you know, obviously football, football mania is specifically a uh, European slash British phenomenon, but that one needed no translation.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of self-lacerating takes on masculinity that that come from the show that are generally it it it's all it's all very I think it's all generally very fairly well executed and and it has a fairly good consistent perspective across the seasons on that score.
0: Those were definitely sketches that I had fun with and in and those those um those ones that like we said this is not the most edgy sketch show out there but the 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 ones that uh we're willing to kind of go into that those other territories, um, sociological or um, or just you know, again like you guys both said, skewing masculinity and taking on these other ideas as well as just trying to be funny. Uh, those were some of my favorites, I would say. And and I guess my last thought on on this show is that we, we're in sort of a uh, renaissance of American sketch TV right now. I, I'm you know basically with everything that's going on at uh, Comedy Central right now, Key and Peele's. Soon to be back uh, for its for its next season, and you know, with uh, Amy Schumer and and Kroll Show, there's a bunch of there's a lot of sketch TV that's on right now, and I really have been enjoying it in a way that's been very surprising to me. So I think people who are you know, if you're waiting for the show these shows to come back, or if you have discovered this genre with these new shows, I think there there's plenty of really great TV of the past. You know, several decades, and this is one of them. This show, 2006 to 2010, that you can really dive into, and it, it hasn't. You know, there's these, there's a couple, maybe a couple elements of, um, you know, the the late 2000s in there, but for the most part, I think it it really works, and and it has a very high hit to miss ratio. I think people should check it out if they're unfamiliar.
3: I agree, and also watch Peep Show
2: because it's amazing.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Elzer, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you and your work online?
2: Uh, well, most of my work is over at the AV Club, uh, specifically in the TV Club section. The big thing I'm doing at the moment is the my Doctor Who reviews, which are uh, butt-numbingly long, um, <laughs> but but hopefully of interest to to people. Um, and then there, I think there are you know a bunch of other random shows that I'll be doing as the season sort of gets properly started. And because I'm not. Saying enough things about Doctor Who online, you can also catch me at the Debating Doctor Who podcast, uh, which you came by, Kate, a few, weeks, a few episodes back, and we enjoyed having you on there very much. So anyway, check that out if you're interested in it.
0: Is there another way to do Doctor Who reviews besides But Numbingly Long? That's, that is the only way I know.
2: Not that I've found. I'd be fat. I, I, I mean, in theory, AV Club reviews are supposed to be twelve hundred words long. This last one clocked in at three thousand. So, uh, thank. I, it's and I, the fact that they're on Saturdays when the editors aren't really looking very closely. That does not help this uh, ecosystem that I've created for myself. So, look forward to like a ten thousand word review of the finale. I have no doubt.
0: Good times. Well, thank you once again for coming on, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.